Well, what's up, everybody? Welcome to another week of the Bible Boys. My name is James. And I'm Pip. I'm excited to get into the Bible as normal. Now, it's been a few weeks since we've done that, but we're back in action um, and I'm looking forward to it. We're coming up to Easter, it's exciting times. Um, and it's good that in the midst of college stuff, mm-hmm. we've, we've both got kind of stuff due at yes, the moment. Yes. Um, but just to carve out an hour to sit down, chat some Bible. It's refreshing. It it's is. Delightful. It's great to see you in person. You are COVID free now. I'm COVID free. I've survived. Um, I've got a theory maybe that COVID has like developed a bit of a lower voice. Oh. Maybe just like one, one tone or one, you know. Yes, yes, yes. You know, tone, semitone. Or one something. semitone down maybe. I'm not sure. Maybe that's just a lingering answer. There you go. Effect, well, you know, now that you're COVID free, you are one step closer to being like the Incredible Hulk because one of the Hulk's lesser known uh, superpowers is he is completely immune to all toxins and poisons and diseases and viruses. Did you know that about the Hulk? I didn't know that. Yes. I knew that about Mark Ruffalo. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the rom-com actor he was before he became an Avenger. Yeah, yeah. But um, you no. are one step closer. Yeah, yeah. Maybe that could be true. But I, I will say like my sleep and I feel bad about, you know, you just had a baby. So I don't know what your sleep. You like. don't have to say that, it, you know, if you're tired and things are going on, you're tired and things are going I on. Know, you don't have to qualify I, it. I don't want to complain if you're suffering with please say what you want to say so <laughs> during covid i was like going to bed later and later and later because of a sore throat sure waking up later and later and since then i haven't been able to switch back like last night i tried to go to bed at like 2 a.m yes but i was just like buzzing <laughs> and i stay so i end up staying up to like four o'clock wow and i woke up at nine what'd you do from two to four i xbox yeah know? i watched like Soccer highlights and just chill out, you know. Like, yeah. but you like soccer, so maybe that was keeping you up, you know, stimulating your brain maybe. activity. But I have heard if you are struggling to get to sleep, you mm-hmm. shouldn't just lie in bed. Yes, you should get up. You you shouldn't get your you shouldn't let your brain get used to the idea that you can be awake while you're lying in bed. Yes. So I've heard that as well. Yeah. The other thing, I don't know if you ever did this, but do you, do you know about the the hard reset where you just refuse to sleep that night? And so tire oh, yourself yeah. out so much and yeah. then the next day just go to sleep earlier. Yeah. And then well, reset yeah. you. I'm hoping that kind of happens today because I work up at nine, so I've got like five hours sleep. Sure. And I'm hoping that I'll be tired at like midnight tonight. That's right. But, um, yeah. Sleepy Pip. Yeah. Here in the Bible Boys. Maybe not. Yeah, no, I'm a bit out of it. But um yes. yeah. How's your sleep going since post baby? Yeah, it's it's going alright, thank you. I mean, it's it's one of those things where uh, Viv has said that she'll take him mostly during the evening unless she needs some help from me. Mm. Um, and so, you know, what, a few times um, I'll, I'll be woken up to help in different ways. But I'm in this tricky situation where I sleep so deeply that I actually can't hear him cry while I'm sleeping, Right. which is a blessing and a curse in disguise. So yeah. it's a blessing because it means that generally I get uninterrupted sleep. It's a curse because it means that I... I'm not the first to jump up to help as soon as something happens. Mm. Um, but, you know, when, I, when we're awake, so for example, this morning, you know, I, I went out of my way to, to try to take care of him and um, change his nappies and settle him and all that so Viv could get some extra hours of sleep. Mm. Um, so that's a long answer to say my sleep at nighttime is sometimes interrupted, mm. but not always. Yeah. Um, that being said, I, I am finding it harder to go to sleep when I want to because you might say, okay, I'm time, time to go to sleep now. But then, you know, little Sosthenes Chen, mm. not his real name, <laughs> will, will have done a poop. And I'm, and I'm not going to say, no, Viv, you clean that up. No, I'll go, hey, I'm awake. I'm ready. Yeah. Let me go and do that. I, yeah. I can do that for you. Nice. I can do that for him. Nice. So, yeah, interrupted in different ways. I am much more tired. Yeah, that's yeah. for sure. Yeah. And also, so this last Sunday was the first time I've preached at Newtown. Oh, yeah. um, How'd it go? Yeah, it was, it was a great joy to do that. I, I felt really uh, nervous because it's a new context. Um, sort of fumbled my words in the morning a mm-hmm. bit, although only Viv could tell because okay. she knows me. But the thing I wanted to bring up was the writing process was really interrupted because I was mostly writing from home. Mm. And so, you know, I'd write for 10 minutes and then something would happen and I'd come back 40 minutes later, write for 10 yeah, minutes yeah. <laughs> and so on and so forth. Yeah. So uh, it's a new world. 
Mm. Um, mm. But it's a joyful one for sure. Yeah. He's smiling a lot now. Oh, that's cool. Opening his eyes. And yeah, like, that's it. Yeah. He's, he's definitely got bigger eyes than me. So, um, <laughs> which means he'll have bigger eyes yeah, than you right. as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. Uncle Pip uh, yeah. <laughs> and Daddy James will have smaller eyes than, than little little Henry. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Mm. But yeah, that, that's how my sleep is going. Nice. Listeners, if you want to email us and let us know how your sleep's going, uh, we'd love to hear it. Uh, you can email us at thebibleboys, with a Z, at gmail.com. Um, or you can message us on Instagram at Bible underscore boys. That's boys with a Z. That's right. Uh, slide into our DMs. Um, James, I think it's probably time that we get into some Bible. That's uh, right. We are the Bible boys. That's it. Um, and... We are actually on college break right now. Mm. So before we get to our spot, which will yep. be on the Bible, because yep. we are the Bible boys, what have you been learning from the Bible through theological college? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, college has been quite interrupted for me, like, the past two yeah, weeks. with COVID. COVID. And then, yeah, you know, so we've been, we went in, like, one day in the last kind of two weeks, and now we're on two weeks break. So it's been very kind of rocky. Um, having said that, we have been learning a lot. Um, still in it's weird because we're looking at John's gospel in college um, in New Testament um, but we're also looking at that at church as well um, yeah so I think it's that has been really good in terms of getting mm, into John's you're really gospel. in John's gospel really into John's gospel yeah but it's kind of like going back and forth and like not at the same pace and in different different places mm. um, but I think, yeah, one major theme from John's gospel that stands out is Jesus' um, authority mm. that he has um, and the fact that he gets his authority like from the Father. The Father has given him authority um, on earth. And I think, you know, I mean, that goes back to the, the kind of idea of the, the Messiah, the anointed king um, who's given the authority um, and yeah, Jesus, Jesus' authority is uh, amazing. Jesus' authority to do, mir- to do signs in John's Gospel, mm. um, to raise the dead. Um, but yeah, I think that I've, I still have heaps of questions kind of unresolved about Jesus' relationship with the Father and how that, like, you know, is the, the language and the imagery of like, you know, giving authority, that, is that language... An example of like condescending to help us understand the relationship and what's going on, or is it like an accurate? Is it you know, um, this is how it works. This is how the Trinity works. Hmm. So yeah, yeah. I don't know. There's still lots of unresolved questions, but that's what we've been thinking about. It's still cooking in the oven. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, I 100%. love it. Ah, maybe uh, in a few weeks' time when you have some more thoughts, you can you can share more about that. Yeah, yeah. So. Um, yeah, and I think sometimes like when we when we look at how the disciples were confused about what Jesus was doing, um, I think I'm realizing more and more that that's then that's a natural response to the confusion, particularly with the like the messianic expectations in the Old Testament of like someone in the likeness of David who would uh, you know console Israel or would help Israel become a great nation once again. Um, and yeah, Jesus, it didn't look like that was going to happen towards the end of his life as mm, it was, you know, mm. he was being betrayed and everything. So interesting. Yeah. Yeah. What about you? What have you been learning at college? Yeah. Well, one of the things that I really appreciated was um, we were looking at Peter and his mission in New Testament. Uh, we were thinking about Peter and how uh, Peter's mission is described in, in the New Testament documents but one thing i wanted to share that i've never thought about before was about john mark mm-hmm. and so in our lecture last monday yeah that's right last monday because yeah we didn't record last week yeah yeah <laughs> um but um last monday we were thinking a bit about john mark and and his story and so in um acts chapter i think it's an acts chapter 15 mm-hmm. um is it acts 15 let me open up to acts in any case one of the chapters, uh, it sort of at the start, John Mark leaves, um, mm. where where Paul and Barnabas are. Where is it? Is it X thirteen? X fourteen? 
x14 at, can't find it right now. Where is it? Um, x1537, Barnabas wanted to take John also called Mark. So that's, that's later on when he comes back. Acts 12.25, when Barnabas and Saul had finished their, first, uh, their mission, they returned from Jerusalem, taking with them John, also called Mark. Yes. Is that it? Yes, that's right. So, yeah, Mark goes with them. Mm. Um, and then what happens is that later on, and I might find the verse later, mm. point is that Mark leaves them. John Mark leaves them. And then, presumably later on, at the end of chapter 16... When Mark wants to go with them again, Paul says no, right? And Barnabas wants to go, and there's this huge kerfuffle, and they sort of split in part ways. Mm. So my understanding of it before was that John Mark just, you know, couldn't hack it. He just didn't want to go with with Paul and Barnabas and, and travel around the lands and stuff. Um, and, and that was the reason why he, he left them um, earlier. Uh, and that's the reason why Paul didn't want John Mark to go with them. Mm. However, one of the things that we're looking at is... It could be um, because he is described as someone who's part of the circumcision party mm. at the end of Colossians chapter 4. It could be that John Mark had an issue. Whoop. Oh, bell's ringing. Bell's ringing. Oh, I should answer that. Saved by the bell. Maybe we should press pause. That's okay. No, that's right. I'll keep talking <laughs> if you don't mind. Right. Um, Pip's over there trying to see if someone wants to come in to this apartment. Who could it be? Um, I'll be back in one minute. Totally fine. Listeners, I'm going to keep rolling, right? And I'm going to keep telling the listeners what it was that we were looking at. So, uh, John Mark is described as one of the circumcision party. So, here's the theory, right? The theory is, what if the reason why John Mark didn't want to keep traveling with Paul and Barnabas um, earlier in Acts was because he had an issue with the gospel going to Gentiles, right? What if he had a real issue with the gospel going to Gentiles? And so, in other words, what if there's some kind of racial element here that John Mark didn't really understand the gospel, didn't really get that now God was including the Gentiles in the promises, and John Mark's like, ah, I have an issue with the gospel going to them. I'm going to leave now. That's the theory. You know what? I totally agree with everything you just said. (laughs) I, I think it's insightful. I think it's accurate. I think it's spot on. Did you did, did did you look at that last year in in your New Testament one lecture? This idea that John Mark might have left P, uh, Paul and Barnabas because he had an issue with the gospel going to the Gentiles. Um, potentially, I think it was th- it was thrown out as more of a a theory. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if it's you know ironclad. I don't think it is. No, like to, to be honest, it's one of those series that I think might just be thrown out to kind of jolt people to be like just think about this think about how radical this it is that the gospel is going to gentiles yes um, yeah that's right yeah. but in any case i mean the thing i just wanted to say about this is looking at the different elements and just seeing how closely you can learn about different things from different books of the new testament mm. i've just been struck by that more and more yeah. because this account that was put together i mean we, we talked a lot about peter and his mission and all this stuff it's pretty amazing yeah, yeah. so yeah. the bible's amazing yeah, nice. Cool. What, what, what was the bell about? <laughs> um, just a package delivery. Oh, very good. Um, so, yes, got that done. <laughs> very um, good. Okay, yeah. I think we've stored long enough. We should get to our spot for today. Sounds good. Now, you've got a spot prepared. What is the focus of today's spot? Right, so today we're thinking about judging fellow Christians. Judging fellow Christians. That's right. Nah, judging fellow negative. Are you, is this going to be really negative? Pip, really what this is, is it's an intervention. Oh, I'm no. here to judge you oh, no. on air and, and say things about you. Okay. And uh, no, 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 that's not what it's about. But it's interesting you say that because when we think about judging, we do tend to think of it negatively, don't we? Mm, yeah. I mean, if we talked about a church being judgmental, what sort mm. of pictures come to mind? Um, you know, I don't know, like... Uh, I guess cantankerous people, you know, without pointing out any particular, uh, you know, d- d- demographs or you know anything like that. Um, 
Yes, just people who are uh, uppity, mm-hmm. stubborn, mm-hmm. Uh, old-fashioned, perhaps. Yes. Um, yes, people who are rigid, mm. maybe pharisaical, yes. legalistic. Um, yes, not happy, warm, friendly, forgiving environments, but yes. kind of like this is this is the way that you should be, and you're not like this. Yeah. Shame on you, sort of environment. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. So. I, I think that those connotations come to my mind as well when mm. I think about judging Christians or, or being someone who judges others. Mm. So with that in mind, let's come to James chapter 4. Yeah. Um, and then what I want to do is go to another passage as well. So let's come to James chapter 4. Yeah. And can I ask you to read verses um, 11 to 12? Okay, it says... Brothers and sisters, do not slander one another. Anyone who speaks against a brother or sister or judges them speaks against the law and judges it. When you judge the law, you are not keeping it, but sitting in judgment on it. There is only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and destroy. But you, who are you to judge your neighbor? Hmm. Thanks, Pip. So this passage here, uh, James is is very clearly saying not to judge uh, your brother or sister. Um, There's something here about not judging your your neighbor. Uh, And he has a reason for it because in verse 11, he says, when you judge or when you speak against a brother or sister, you're speaking against the law and judging the law. Mm. That's interesting. What does that mean, right? What does it mean that when you speak against your brother or sister, you're judging the law um, and and, and not keeping it? Mm -hmm. So, Keep that at the back of your mind. Okay. okay. We have this broad category here in James chapter four about not judging yeah. okay, your brother or sister. Yeah. But then come with me to 1 Corinthians chapter five. Okay. 1 Corinthians chapter five. And then could I ask you to, to read uh, verses nine to 13? Okay. It says, I wrote to you in my letter not to associate with sexually immoral people, not at all meaning the people of this world who are immoral or the greedy and swindlers or idolaters. In that case, you would have to leave this world. But now I'm writing to you that you must not associate with anyone who claims to be a brother or sister, but is sexually immoral or greedy, an idolater or slanderer, a drunkard or swindler. Do not even eat with such people. What business is it of mine to judge those outside the church? Are you not to judge those inside? God will judge those outside. Expel the wicked person from among you. Mm. Now, I'm not sure if Paul's read that verse that says, judge not lest ye be judged. Because <laughs> <laughs> this seems to be harshing on that whole yeah. kind of forgiveness vibe. What's the deal? That's right. That's right. What's the deal yeah. with Paul? I mean, we talk about James chapter 2 with saying, you see that a person is justified not by faith alone, but by works. And we say, oh, that, that could be a potential conflict with Paul saying you're you know, saved by faith alone without works. Yeah, yeah. What, what, what about James chapter 4 and saying, do not judge? Yeah. And, and now Paul's saying we judge people inside the church not those outside the church i think we found a new contradiction between paul and james here. yeah 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 i'm kidding listeners i'm gonna but see- it's but it, it's, it is interesting to say that because like a lot of the time the like the more i read kind of new testament commentary from more i don't know people who don't hold that the bible is a united whole kind of divinely inspired book mm. will look at james and paul and see these contradictions and disagreements everywhere and yes. say okay, they're not in agreement. They have different ideas of what Christianity is or what, you know, Christians or the church ought to be. Yes. Um, so it is like a, you know, and, and people who, who, you know, read enough or listen enough to different voices will come across that as well. So it's good to kind of engage with that yeah, that's right. issue. That's right. Know? Which we're doing right now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, when, well, on the surface, Pip, I know that, you know, I'm putting you on the spot here. When you, when you see the James 4 passage, do not, you know, judge your neighbor, don't speak against your neighbor. And then this one here, what business do I have of judging outsiders, isn't it those in the church that we should judge, 1 Corinthians 5? Yeah. How would you seek to resolve that on the spot? Yeah, I mean, I don't like necessarily neat solutions because I think, you know, people who try to come up with a quick, neat solution, it's obviously, it's it's not obvious, but it's sometimes a sign of fear. Mm. Fear that the Bible might be, uh, have these inconsistencies. I think probably what what I like to do is just to, is to say, okay, well, what, what could all the kind of possibilities be? Is it possible that Paul and James do have um, disagreements that aren't necessarily theological, but maybe practical 
in different kind of settings mm. and they have different opinions that might be valid mm. but in disagreement so there might be there might be some contrast mm. I'd call it contrast rather than like contradiction mm-hmm. um, is that possible that there's a more nuanced kind of like yes Paul and James are different yes that comes through in what they say um, why are they different are they dealing with different contexts and different types of people maybe mm. or are they just different you know Anyway, that's probably not the um, <laughs> right reformed answer necessarily. No, no, no. Right. I, I think I think that's right because we have to let each author speak with their own voice, don't we? Because we rightly want to say all of the Bible is God's word ultimately, but also God spoke through pe- people, and each person has their own flavor, style, focus, occasion for why they're writing, and we yeah. need to make sure we let the passages speak. Yeah, uh, and we can't just gloss over them. Yeah. Let me then bring up even in 1 Corinthians. So let, let, let me spin an even deeper tale okay. here. Right. So in 1 Corinthians 5, Paul has just said, do not, ju- uh, do not judge outsiders, judge those who are inside yes. the church. Yes. But one chapter earlier in mm. 1 Corinthians, chapter 4, yeah. you go to 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Can I ask you to have a read of verses um, 3 to 5? Okay, it says... I care very little if I'm judged by you or by any human court. Indeed, I do not even judge myself. My conscience is clear, but that does not make me innocent. It is the Lord who judges me. Verse 5 as well. Okay. Therefore, judge nothing before the appointed time. Wait until the Lord comes. He will bring to light what is hidden in darkness and will expose the motives of the heart. At that time, each will receive their praise from God. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 5, Paul says, Judge nothing before the appointed time. Wait until the Lord comes. But wait a second. One chapter later in chapter 5, he says, Isn't it those who in the church who we should judge? Mm. So forget James and Paul being different. What about Paul and Paul? Come on, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. You can see I'm playing this up. Right? Yeah, yeah, but, yeah, but yeah. You can see there's something yeah. here. My, my initial reaction is at a different... Uh, types of judgment mm. um, and because I do know that like elsewhere is a Paul who says do not pass judgment with regards to new moon yes. festivals it's like Colossians 2 yeah, that's right yes. yeah. and so it's kind of like there are it, so sometimes there are contexts where it's not, not right to judge and mm. somewhere it is right to judge mm. I think that's what we're getting at because in chapter 4 he's talking about his uh, credibility as an apostle mm. And chapter five, he's talking about moral issues in the church, like sexually immoral people or swindlers or idolaters, mm. immorality. Yes. Yeah. And that is the end to where I want to go with okay. this, because I think that you've hit the nail on the head. Okay. There are times when judgments are good and right, mm. and there are times when judgments are not good and right, especially when it comes to brothers and sisters. And so as a category, we just need to start there, recognizing that the Bible isn't completely negative on judgment. Mm-hmm. We, even though we might have this connotation of, oh, it's a really bad thing to, be, to, to make judgments, the New Testament is not completely negative on judgments. Mm. There are times when it's good and right and modeled by Jesus and the apostles, and there are times when it's not to be done. Yeah, yeah. Do you think that might be a bit hard for some people to, to you know, accept? Um, I think people who like blanket rules will find that hard to accept. Mm. Um, but I think when you step back and you think, even the way we think about judgment, like I said, it was quite negative at the start. Mm. But then you, we do praise people for having a good judge of character or mm. good discernment, you know. Yes. Um, so there is a positive aspect to it. I mean, what I do wonder, the question that comes to mind is, if in... Um, Corinthians, the like right judgment is to do with immorality. Mm. Um, that still makes me, and I'm sure like a lot of people, uneasy within the church. Even if I'm talking to someone who I know is a believer, mm. if I know that they got drunk on Saturday night or something like that, or they know that I got drunk on Saturday night, and there's a judgment thing, that feels wrong mm. because we're under grace, we're not under law, you know. So. And some people would say, well, you know, you know, lots of churches have lost that sense of church discipline and being like hard on each other when mm. it comes to... Do, do you want to define that discipline? Because some people might have different connotations of what that means. Yeah, I guess like uh, when I think of church di- discipline, I mean like 
you know, calling, uh, identifying um, like sinful patterns in people and actually doing things about that within the church, such as not associating with people. Mm. Um, yeah. So, mm. so if someone is like immoral in a persistent way where they're unrepentant, mm. um, you know, it's like, okay, let's to have a, let's talk to this person and you know if need be let's like take this into more of a public discussion um and then you get into realms like ex- excommunication yeah yeah which, which is, is really, like the, the nuclear option yeah which is which is really you know handing people over to satan that's really uh murky territory for yeah. me just like mm. i don't know what to do with that yeah necessarily. yeah yeah well, you're bringing up some practical questions, which is good. Maybe we can finish the segment later with that. Yeah. Let me try to, to, to pull some threads together okay. here that I've been thinking about. Now, it's worth saying I'm, I'm still cooking in the oven mm. with this. I've actually been thinking about this well, the last few months. The reason why I just thought about it as a spot for today was because um, I've just been reading through James again. Mm. Nice. And, um, and, you know, I hit chapter four on the weekend. Uh, and Viv and I were talking about it as we read James 4 together. Yeah, yeah. So here's, here's sort of my proposal uh, of what I think is going on in the New Testament. And in short, it's this. Um, as Christians, we are no longer under the judgment of God. We're actually under grace, aren't we? We are under grace. And so grace should, should, should mark our lives. And yet, we also have to recognize that Jesus rules and judges now and in the future. Jesus judges now and in the future. And wherever the New Testament calls us to make judgments, it's actually judgments that Jesus is making right now, not our own judgments. Mm -hmm. So let me say that again. Whenever we're called to make judgments, it's Jesus's judgments here and now, not our own, you know, personal opinion judgments. Mm. In other words, where it goes wrong is when you try to say, hey, you're a Christian, you're a brother or sister, I have the right to tell you what I think and what I feel is right. And I want to be your judge and you know, jury and executioner. That's when it's wrong. Mm. But when I am communicating to you the judgments of Jesus, that is when it is right. Because mm. it's not ultimately my judgment. It's me speaking his judgment. Now, how do, how do I put that together? Let's go through these passages, right? Mm. So 1 Corinthians chapter 4, I think you're right, where Paul is talking about the, the lasting value of his ministry, uh, the eternal fruit of it um, and, and his character. That's why he says, um, v- verse 4, My conscience is clear. It is the Lord who judges me. Therefore, judge nothing before the appointed time. Wait until the Lord comes. Because in chapter 3... He's been talking about how the, the fruit or the lasting value of the ministry will be revealed when Jesus returns. Mm. So right now, if you try to, to say, oh, I know definitively the eternal value of what you've done and, and your status in your ministry, you're passing a judgment that Jesus has not made yet. Mm. And if you try to pass a judgment that Jesus has not made yet, you're doing something wrong because that's your judgment. That's not his judgment. So that's why in 1 Corinthians 4, he says, judge nothing. Mm. Um, in, in particular, he's talking about this judgment of the fruit and the lasting value of your ministry mm. um, because Jesus will make that judgment when he returns. In chapter 5, when he's talking about the, the, the context here is a man who is sleeping with presumably um, his, his mother-in-law, Paul says, judge that. That is not the right thing. Because right now we can know that sexual, sexual immorality is something that Jesus disapproves of. Mm. That is something that through the law we can see is not right. And, and the law fulfilled in the love, uh, through the love of Christ, that's not what it means for God's people to be loving one another. And so when you say that to someone, hey, you should not be doing that, it's based ultimately on Jesus' judgment that he would have mm. on that situation. Which is why then in James chapter 4, I think the context here is with regard to untrue things. Okay, It's untrue judgments because they're actually false. Notice how in James chapter 4 verse 11, it says, Brothers and sisters, do not slander one another. Context here is making pronouncements or judgments on someone that aren't true. Mm. 
Do not slander one another. Anyone who speaks against a brother or sister or judges them speaks against the law and judges it. Mm. Notice what's going on here. When you say something against another person that isn't true, you're saying, hey, my judgment is better than God's judgment. Or what I say can stand on the same level as the law of God. Mm. That's why he says, when you judge uh, when you judge another person or speak against them, you're speaking against the law. Mm. And that's why verse 12, there is only one lawgiver and judge. And who's that? Jesus. Jesus. Jesus is the judge. And so that's why when we make judgments against one another, we have to make sure that they're judgments that are in line with what Jesus's judgments would be. In other words, to use a technical term, we mediate the judgments of Christ. And so anything beyond that, when you make that ultimate, You've become a Pharisee because you've gone beyond God's judgments. Uh, when, you, when you set something else up and say that this matters more than, than all the other realities, you have become a law giver yourself. Mm. And that is the issue that James and Paul want to speak against. I have one more passage I want to go to. But before that, how does this sound to you? What do you think of it? I think the logic of it sounds right. Um, I think just what comes to mind is is like... Uh, ugly examples of judging in church where log- where logically like biblically it might be right but the way that it's done the tact with which, which is done it's it's quite um i don't know tactless mm, or, or, yes. or, or thoughtless or, or, or proud or um yeah and so i think of i think of like examples where people are like oh you know the bible says that we should judge you know based on jesus judgment and uh, to the bible to the bible standard so you know here's me judging you but it's actually quite graceless and mm. um how to find that balance and i i kind of want to say i don't know i don't think it, i don't think it's a verse but it's like be i know it says be slow to anger mm-hmm. um or god is slow to anger mm-hmm. be slow to speak mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um I want. I kind of want to say like it's just good to be slow to judge. Yes. Is that is that right to say? Do you think? I I think so. I, a line that I've sort of put for myself as a ministry principle is be quick to listen, slow to speak, and sluggish to criticize. Mm. Quick to listen, slow to speak, sluggish to criticize. Mm. Um, yeah. Okay. But I mean, how does that sound to you as a as a principle? Yeah, that 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 sounds good. I think like yeah, I just think there are people who are, um, and it's it's, you know. Um, we don't want to be trigger happy. Yes. With judgment. Yes. You know, in any in any context, like we want to be self reflective. We want to re- reflect. You know, we want to take the log out of our own eye. Mm. Um, yeah. Mm. Now, that's helpful, and in fact, I think that this understanding can help with that attitude. Because you see, I feel like, and I and I say this about myself as well. I feel like at times when I've heard judgments made. It's almost like the person saying it is personally hating the other person Mm. or personally offended. Mm. But you have to recognize that in the end, when we speak about a brother or sister and we need to say something, you're not the one ultimately who is the judge. And so I think the tact in which you do it would be so different. So, for example, let's say, you know, you, you did get drunk on the weekend and I just and you were flaunting it and you don't mm. really care about it mm. you know actually let's take a step back before that if you did get drunk on the weekend and you're very sorry about it and you you know you repent it who am i to say anything else i'm just going hey it's let me pray with you mm. right but let's say i did need to say something there's two approaches i could take one is what's the matter with you right mm. like what kind of christian are you you, yeah. what, you, you call yourself a christian yeah. what kind of christian does that you're terrible you, you shouldn't even be coming to church you need a da 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 yeah, yeah. What's that attitude? That's like I'm personally offended with you. Yeah. I'm being your judge. There's a hint of smugness. In that. <laughs> that's right. That's right. When, and then the, the the other tact could be saying, "Hey, Pip, you know, like I saw that thing that happened on the weekend. Yeah, how are you feeling about that? All right? Because mm, mm. y- you know, you know that yeah, you should yeah. be living a bit differently. Yeah. yeah. You recognize that, right? Yeah. I mean, can can I pray with you about it? How are you feeling about it? Yeah. What I'm doing in the second part, I'm I'm not. I'm judging you, mm. but my tact isn't as one where I've been personally offended by you. I'm seeking to communicate the judgment of Christ in a loving and gracious manner yeah. and call you to repentance. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's I different. Still, I still get the sense that 
in particularly in the Corinthians example, yes. that the situation is quite extreme. Yes. And because Paul is saying like, don't even eat with them, don't even like, yeah. don't associate with them. I feel like there's something more extreme going on than, you know, or someone slipped up on the weekend or something yeah. like that. Oh, it's, for sure. Yeah. And I think here it's it's that it's persistent. Yes. Yeah. The guy's not changing. Yeah. He do, presumably he doesn't want to stop doing what he's doing. Yeah. 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 So that, yeah. that is different, isn't it? Yeah. 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 That's a helpful framework they've given. Biblical, solid, yes. <laughs> Thank nuanced. You. I like it. Um, the last thing I just wanted to bring up is this actually is a huge responsibility, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And in fact, I think that this is... Oh, here's a huge can of worms. I think that this is what's going on in Matthew 16, where Jesus talks about the keys of the kingdom of heaven mm-hmm. and binding and loosing. Your, mm. your favorite verb. Yes. From... <laughs> yes. Will be whoever looses will be loosed. Whatever That's right. Loose. I mean, the questions about what that passage means, but, and without showing you all the working, here's what I think is going on here. So this is Matthew 16, where Jesus is talking to, to Peter. Uh, he says from verse 18, and I tell you that you are Peter and on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he ordered his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. Just two chapters later, after Jesus has this exchange, Mm. Jesus is telling a parable about um, about church... uh, wrongings shall we say you know people being wronged or people being hurt um and and actually it's not really a parable is it it's teaching yeah teaching yeah Yeah. so in verse uh, chapter 18 verses 15 to 18 can you read that for us yeah sure it says if your brother or sister sins go and point out their fault just between the two of you if they listen to you you have won them over but if they will not listen take one or two others along so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses If they still refuse to listen, tell it to the church. And if they refuse to listen even to the church, treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector. Truly, I tell you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. There you go. So the line that Jesus brings up in Matthew 16 about this authority that's been given to church. Mm. um, He brings up again two chapters later with regard to brothers and sisters rebuking each other when they sin. Yeah. Now, again, without showing all the working, here's what I think is going on here. And it's huge. It's massive. Mm. I feel really uneasy just talking about this. Mm. I think what Jesus is saying is that the church, God's people, have been bestowed with this authority to make judgments that matter or that are in line with eternity. Mm. In other words, when you rebuke a brother or sister, that judgment is to be something that is true, not just on earth, but in heaven as well. If you cast out someone who claims to be a brother or sister because they're unrepentant, they're essentially being cast out in heaven as well. Mm-hmm. That's a huge mm. responsibility because the idea, going back to what we said a bit earlier, your judgments of brothers and sisters should be mediating the judgments of Christ himself. Mm. Um, I've t- One more thing I want to say to finish up here, but... That's huge, isn't it? Yeah, it is huge. It is huge. Uh, a big weight of responsibility. Yes. Um, yeah. Yes. Yeah. I mean, my. Yeah, it's just it's 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 a very murky thing, I think, still. Yes. And rarely in practice, is it. You know, I don't know. I I just I just feel like there's so much room for error. Yes, I agree. I agree. The, the, the enactment of this judgment and authority is a whole other yeah. kettle of fish. Yeah. Here's the last thing I want to say here as a practical application that we haven't talked about yet, which is to personally examine ourselves and listeners, examine yourselves. Are there judgments that you make on your brothers and sisters that are not Jesus's judgments? I mean, I think there's lots of things that I can want in church or prefer my brothers and sisters to be doing Mm. that are totally not Jesus's judgments. Mm. And in treating a brother or a sister that way, I'm going beyond the law. I'm going beyond Jesus's judgments and I'm doing something God doesn't want me to do. 
And so I think that this way of thinking has also made me just examine where am I judging brothers and sisters with things that do not matter in heaven, that don't matter eternally, and where do I need to repent of that? Mm. And I think that if we really examine ourselves that way, it would change how we think about church community. Because if you just hang out with, if you find church hard because there are people who don't have the same preferences of you as you, or don't have the same interests as you, and so on and so forth, those are, that's, those are judgments that, that aren't, they don't matter eternally. They're not the most important thing. Mm. And so those are judgments that shouldn't be held as ultimate. Anyway, that's something that I've been yeah. thinking about as well. Yeah. yeah, no, that's good. That's good. Then there's, there's that weird verse about humans judging the angels. Oh, yes. Which we won't get into. There you go. But um, something to ponder. Um, yeah, no, I, I do... One of my kind of fears is that if Jesus was following me around, yes. or was like in, in, our, in our churches, like that he would kind of say, oh, it, it's not, this isn't as like morally um, upright as it should be. Mm. You know, you should be a bit more, you should be like harsher, or you should be pointing, yeah. you should be pointing these things out with more kind of boldness. Mm. I don't know. Yeah. Well, like I said, there's, that's a whole other discussion yeah, as well about yeah. how you do it. But I guess one thing to say there is Jesus reserved his harshest, harshest, maybe most severe um, uh, verbal displays for teachers who mm. should have known better and who were not receptive to his teaching. Mm. And yet, you think about his interaction with Nicodemus in John chapter 3. This is a teacher who should know better. And yet, I don't feel like Jesus... I mean, Jesus calls him out. You know, are you a teacher of Israel and you don't know this? Mm. I don't think he's, he's very strong and in, in severe with him. Yeah, yeah. So, so, because I think Nicodemus wants to learn. Yeah. So maybe there's something there about, like, the strongest words weren't just for people who were doing the wrong thing. It's for those who were doing the wrong thing, should have known better, and weren't willing to change their ways. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, that was a very long segment for me. Judgments. Been thinking about it. Lots of Bible. What have you been reading in the Bible or thinking about in the Bible? Yeah, so um, I've been preaching. So I preach on Sunday and preaching on uh, Friday, this Friday. So all um, John 13. So um, yeah, John 13, first kind of 17 verses about Jesus washing the disciples' feet, um, which has been really interesting to see like how Jesus despite knowing the fact that Judas is going to betray him, despite knowing that he has, you know, power from the Father, still chooses to kind of serve his disciples and to love them, including Judas, actually. Mm. Um, and it, but it's not just that he does that. He also does that as an example for them to follow, to wash one another's feet and to serve one another. Mm. Um and I was kind of thinking like th- that, I think the, the way I started the sermon was like, this is kind of like a microcosm, like a small living example of the whole gospel that God kind of stoops down in humble sacrifice to deal with our mess, even though we don't deserve it, um, and, and rises again. Mm. Um, and that's the kind of the example that we follow. We die to sin, we, we rise again. And so this is, this example is like a, a mini version of the big story in John's gospel um, and then what we get next is, so if that's love displayed, mm. what we have then is love betrayed. Oh, you know, I by, like that. You know, by Judas. I mean, I don't like that, but I like yes, the, the play the, of words. Yeah. And it's just interesting, like how, how Judas, um, you know, Judas, Jesus has known for a long time that Judas is going to betray him. In chapter six of John, he says, I've chosen you 12, yet one of you is a devil. He knows that Judas is going to betray him. Um... And this whole scene about, you know, dipping the bread and giving it to Judas and all that, um, you know, to, to kind of line up with the scripture about he who, like, shares with me will um, rise up against me. And then, like, in the third section, so you've got love displayed, love betrayed, and then you have, I guess, um, something that doesn't really fit, but, you know, denial. So if you go, go from betrayal to denial, Peter's denial... Um, this is something I thought about before. It's like, what's the difference between Peter and Judas? What is the difference? They both, I mean, Judas hands Jesus over to be betrayed mm. for money. 
Peter denies Jesus mm. um, to kind of protect himself. Um, I think here we see like Peter is not faithful. Mm. Um, Judas is definitely not faithful. Yeah. In fact, you know, hates Jesus. Yeah. Um, but Peter finds forgiveness. And so I guess the, the questions looming over their betrayal, their denial, what's going to happen with Peter, what's going to happen with Judas, don't actually get resolved until much later. Um, and yeah, so Jesus is betrayed, he's denied, and actually forsaken by the Father, like ultimately his wrath poured out on him. Mm. Um, so Jesus, like the big idea I think is that Jesus um, is rejected so that we can be accepted. Mm. And he's rejected on, on all these fronts. And I think like there's a difference between understanding the logic of the gospel, the transactional element of the gospel. Jesus mm. dies for my sin in my place so that I can have righteousness. Um, there's knowing that and the logic of it and how it works. But then there's kind of like, like feeling the pain that mm. Jesus went through mm. and knowing something of the pain that Jesus went through in order that we could have reconciliation with God. Um, and it's like it, like, it should confuse us. It should baffle us the extent to which like God demonstrates his love for us. It should blow us away mm. in a sense. Um, it, it's never boring. It should always be interesting, at least intellectually, but also interesting personally, you know, in our relationship with God, that God would go to these lengths to demonstrate. Mm. Um, and I think it's, it's a dangerous, and I've been in this place, it's a dangerous place to be where you think you've got it, you, you understand it, mm. but there's no love. Yeah. Or like, you know, there's no sense of wow. Mm. If there's not a sense of wow over Easter, you know, we need to kind of check our hearts and, you know. Yeah. Make, yeah. yeah. So that's what I've been reading and reflecting on. And, oh, no, thanks for sharing. Yeah. And good on you. It sounds like you've already written your sermon for this Friday. Um, yeah, kind of got the basic outline. Nice. Going. So love conveyed or displayed. Yeah, so so I, I did preach on the first 17 verses on Sunday. Right. But gotcha. I'm going to probably like intro with that. So love displayed, love betrayed, mm-hmm. um, you know, maybe love denied. Mm. Um, I think it's basically, yeah, it's going to be Jesus was betrayed. Jesus was um, denied. Jesus was forsaken. Mm. I'll probably bundle the betrayal and the denial. Yeah. Because sure. there's the human thing that's going on. Yes. The betrayal and the denial. Yes. Which kind of fit together. Yes. And then there's the spiritual unseen thing that's going on as well. Yes. Forsaken by God. So, um, yeah, those two, they're, they're kind of two big points. The, yes. The, what's going on on a human level? What's going yes. on on a, on a spiritual uh, divine level? Um, and then realizing at the end of the day, this is, this is the demonstration of God's love for us. Mm. You know, I like it. Um, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's going to be really good. And that's for Penrith. Yeah. yeah. You'll be preaching. Yeah. Lovely. Yeah. Good Friday. Here's a really bad idea. Yeah. What a really bad idea for the outline. <laughs> so you've got the first part, which is love displayed mm. and then love betrayed. Mm. And then for Peter, you've got denied. Yeah. And then you know how like you've got the whole, you know, whoever denied it, supplied it thing with the, with the farts. It's fine. So you've got love denied, love supplied. Jesus, wow. God's love is supplied. Love to... denied, love supplied. <laughs> it's a really bad idea. It's not bad. <laughs> uh, it, it, it's, it's, it's pretty bad. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, it's, it's decent. It's decent. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, yeah. Do you want to share anything else in terms of your own personal reading? Or no, I think I'll do that next week. Yeah. Um, when you do a spot, and then I'll um, I'll share Bible reading. Cool. Yeah. Sounds but cool. um, it's time for us to play. Guess who? Yeah. Now. Do you want me to have yes. a character for you? Okay. Yes. Um, or would you like to guess today? No, I'll, I'll, I'll come with the character. I'll come with the character big time. We've got, a, we've got an order that we've established. Yeah. Also, worth saying, we've hit our two-year mark. Hey, yeah. How crazy is that? Pretty crazy. Oh, my goodness. Yes. We didn't do any fanfare, no balloons, no nothing. Yes. Like two years. That's okay because you know what we're on about? We're not about, about us. We're on about the Bible. Yeah, 100%. I did have two separate sets of people ask me this week when, I, when is Pip going to make more videos, but... Um, for real? For real? Yeah. The people want the reels? Yeah, they want the reels. Yeah, I'm running low on ideas. I've got some ideas, but um, I don't know. It's just effort as well. Like It is. You know, 
20 minutes to put something it's like that's another episode of Seinfeld yeah. um, that's it that's yes it. okay alright video game Tony questions uh, listeners we play this game yes or no questions 20 questions to try to guess a character Pip's gonna have a character in mind I'm gonna have to ask questions to try and get it yep okay I got it let's go alright 20 questions listeners are you playing from home play along First question, does this character show up in the first five books of the Old Testament? No. Okay. Question two, does this character show up in the Gospels? Yes. Okay, great. Question three, does this character have a personal interaction with Jesus? No. Okay. Question four, is this character someone who's in the Roman uh, authorities? No. Okay. Question five, do we know this character's name? Yes. Question six, is this one of the Jewish authorities? No. Okay. Question seven, is this a member of Jesus's family? No. Question eight, is this one of the women who Jesus interacts with? No. Question nine, is this one of Jesus's disciples? No. Wait, he would have had an interaction with them. Anyway, I asked it already. Okay. Uh, nine questions in. Mm-hmm. Does this character show up outside of the Gospels? Um, no. Okay, that's ten. Ten questions to go. Yeah. Mm, does this character only show up in John's Gospel? Um, yeah. Hey, there we go. Does the... Question two. Uh, eleven. Not... Wait, that was eleven questions. This is question twelve. Question twelve. Does this character show up in the first... 13 chapters of John's Gospel. Yes. Okay. Question 13. Does this character show up in the first chapter of John's Gospel? No. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Was that 13? 13. Question 14. Is this character healed by Jesus? No. Mm. Oh, dear. (laughs) Um, Hmm... (laughs) Oh, this is dangerous. Mm. Not a Jewish authority, not a woman, not someone Jesus heals. John's gospel. Mm. Mm. Do we know this character's name? Yes. 15. Five questions to go. We know this character's name. I should be able to do this. We know this character's name. We know this character's name. <laughs> um, when you get to like eighteen or nineteen, I'll give you. I'll give you a hint. But no, no, no. It's okay. It's all right. If, if I we we need to lose at some point. It's true. It's you know. It's, it's, true. it's what makes it more interesting. Yeah. We know this character's name. Not a Jewish leader. Chapter two, chapter three, chapter four, chapter. Five. This is great. Chapter 6. This character doesn't have an interaction with Jesus. Um, hmm. Question. Chapter 7? Chapter 8? Chapter 9? Wait, is this character alive in John's Gospel? Um, we don't know. Hey, 16. Okay, so we don't know that this character is alive in John's Gospel, but this character shows up. In John's Gospel, uh, that I mean, I'm sure that's helpful information for it someone. Is. When you think about it, yes. When you think about it, I mean, so is this character um, a, a a named prophet from the Old Testament? No. Okay, so that was seventeen. Three questions left. Mm, okay. Yeah. Doesn't I mean? We, we know that this character... We, we don't know if this character is alive. We don't know. <laughs> we don't know if this character is alive. <laughs> chapter 5, chapter 6... Chapter... Not one of the Roman rulers. Chapter 7... Mm, chapter 8... I mean, no, that's not it. Chapter 9. Can I give you a, a small hint? No, 
Okay. I, I need to lose. Uh, no, 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 no. I want to give you a small hint. I want to give you a small hint. You want to give me a small hint? Yeah. Because it's like technically related to questions you've asked. Oh, okay. Sure. So you've used like, does this character show up? Yeah. Just think about what like the different ways that that, what that could mean in terms of showing up. Yeah. You know, in, the, in, in, in the gospel, you know. Showing up might not be showing up, if that makes sense. Oh. Do you, do you know what I mean? No, I don't. Because otherwise I would have gotten <laughs> Like, as in like, does the character show up? Could be like, does the name show no, up? No, oh, I get that. That's what yeah. I've been, That's why I was thinking maybe Isaiah, because yeah, he's in yeah. John chapter 12, for example. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm like, you know, you've got Caiaphas, the high priest in John 12. You've got Lazarus. You've got John 11. Um... Oh, John 10, who do you have there? John 9. Oh, we know this character's name, though. Man. Now, nah, I, think, I think I've lost no, it. No, keep going, keep going, keep going. I've got two questions left, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. Can I... No, I'm just going to show... Okay, sure. Where, where else do names show up where the person themselves don't show up? Genealogies. Uh, um... I mean, in Jesus' teaching, he talks about Abraham, he talks about Satan. Uh, you've got John the Baptist. Um, it's a bit niche. It is a bit niche. <laughs> no, 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 this is good. This is exactly what we need. Okay. Because, you know, I think I've had a good run. Yeah. I've had a good run. Yeah. John 7, John 8, John 7. John 8, John 9, John 10. Now, I don't think I have it. I, I think that I, 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 I give up. Okay. Who, who is it? Simon Iscariot, Ju- Judas's dad. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Judas, son of Simon Iscariot? Yeah. Yeah. Comes up three times in John's Gospel. Yes. Um, Simon Iscariot, I assume he doesn't win the Dad of the Year award. <laughs> Yeah. Yes. He might. But um no we don't we don't know much about Simon Scarrett, but his name comes up a few times. We don't know if he's dead or alive. But um yes, his son Judas. There you go. So yeah. There is a very interesting theme about fathers and sons, isn't there? I yeah. mean you know in chapel how we've been reading through two kings. Um I was thinking about how Hezekiah you know, was, was thought of as the greatest king that mm. I mean, in two kings, it says, you know, there was no king who was like him before or after. Mm. Josiah, it says that no one repented like him before or after. But Hezekiah, no one was like, like as great like him like before or after. But then his son is Manasseh, mm. who's the really? worst king yeah, that Judah yeah. had, right? So Hezekiah, even though he's a great king, seems like he was a pretty bad dad. But you kind of, I guess you can't always attribute... Oh, yeah, that's true. Know. Good point. Yeah. I, I mean, Simon... Iscariot might have been a great dad for That's true. Know. That's true. Best dad ever. Yes. But Judas just wasn't having it, maybe. Well, you know, in Chinese culture, if the child doesn't end up going well, it's clearly the parents' fault. Really? And if the, the child goes very well, it means that the parents did the right thing, no matter how good or bad they were. Right, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, do you think we have that in Western culture? Uh, not as much, not as much. I think, like, there is something, like, semi-biblical to it, although there are exceptions, like, mm-hmm. you know, and so... I mean, the prodigal um, son story, for example, that's an example of like yeah, sure. a good dad, bad son kind mm-hmm. of thing. There you go. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, Simon Iscariot, interesting guy. I wonder what it was like. Which chapters does he show his name show up so in? So in John chapter 6, yeah. um, in John 13, yeah. comes up twice. Hey. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Oh, that's, that was a good one. Good job. Yeah. Good job. Yeah. I should have uh, thought about, is this related to Jesus or the 12 disciples yeah yeah related. it's a hard one yeah no if I, no you if did i was well. simon iscariot i wouldn't necessarily want my name mentioned over and over again in connection with judas you know over and over it's like judas son of simon iscariot well because there's there was another judas yes was, there was yeah, that's why they got to distinguish between them yeah the other jude judas jude jude yeah judas i think judas yeah yeah, yeah. judas not iscariot yeah yeah Imagine that. That's your designation. You're Judas, <laughs> not Iscariot. It's like, I'm defined by what I'm not. Yes. You know? Boo. <laughs> you know? It's like, um, James, not the brother of Jesus, or James, not the elder, yeah. or James, yeah. not one of the twelve. Yeah. 
And I know the Bible says, judge not lest ye be judged. <laughs> but this Judas character, <laughs> you know. <laughs> hey, are you mediating the judgments of Jesus? Uh, I think it's an acceptable judgment. I think it's acceptable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, good stuff. Anyway. I think that's it for us for another week of the Bible Wars listeners. Thanks so much for listening. We hope that you've been edified and encouraged, spurred on to, to read your Bible uh, in some way, shape or form. That would be a good thing. Or to listen to it. You can always do audio Bible. Mm. That's a good thing. Or you could go watch a Mark drama and, and watch the Bible. Mm. Or you could go into the metaverse and, um, fi- and find it in there. Find the Bible. <laughs> find the Bible. <laughs> a character walking around. There's a Bible that comes walking. Did you ever watch Salt? Do you know the, the, the blue Bible, Salty? No. You don't know this? No. Listeners, if you're... Don't do this at night time if you're trying to avoid horror images. But go to Google... You know what? Pip, you do it now on air. Go to Google Images. Type in P-S-A-L-T-Y. Salty. It is a blue walking Bible. And when people... Oh, man. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Look, they've even got like the the person that dresses up and does <laughs> right. it. Is How that, horrible is that? Is that the stuff of nightmares? That is the stuff of nightmares. Did you ever watch salty videos or no, anything? Yeah, because the didn't. reason I think he's salty is because he's the salter, as in uh, it's a book of songs. Psalms and songs. Yeah, so he sings yeah. Bible stories. But yes, when people dress up as salty, it is the stuff of nightmares. That is horrible. Listeners, <laughs> go check that out sometime. Pip, why don't you sign us out? Okay, everyone, I hope you have a good week, um, and we hope to see you. Or, you know, to hit it with your ears to us. Next time. See ya.